Scripture reading today will be in the book of Genesis, chapter 2. Genesis, chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she is taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity today to look into your word and hear from your wisdom. Lord, I ask that you would bless each and every one of our hearts uh, and bless each and every one of our minds today who hears these words. Lord, that you would, you would direct our hearts. Lord, that you would lead us this week and in this month and the rest of this year and the rest of our lives, Lord, in your truth. Lord, I ask that we would continue to stand on your truth. As we heard earlier that there are so many voices that would be telling us one thing or another, Lord, I, I pray that we would hear you clearly today. Lord, I ask and pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, you got to love the youth that don't mind going roller skating for six hours. Right? It's 12, right, to six? Is that what I heard? Lord bless them. How is Natalie doing? She's doing better, doing well. Amen. Amen. She going to go to school this coming week? She is. Mom says you're going to school. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Just this past Friday, we were in our living room and we heard helicopters flying over and realized that they followed uh, ambulances and fire trucks and so we knew that there was an accident somewhere. We just did not know where the accident was. But uh, Becky Raybuck gave me an update. The individual's name is Jason Snyder. It's a cousin of Becky. Um, they lifelined him to Geisinger on Friday because apparently as he stepped out of his house, he completely collapsed. And... He didn't step out of the house, Becky. How? Well, he was lifeline to Geisinger. They first thinking that it was a heart issue, but they have pinpointed that that wasn't the issue, so they are doing other things to find out exactly. So we need to pray for Jason and Natalie, and also, as you heard Nolan say this morning, that Barb Carl's aunt did go through surgery. She came out well, and now the, the prayer is that still the Lord's will be done, but uh, that uh, she would gain new strength and recover from her surgery. And so we praise the Lord for that and thank God. So let's, we've been praying a lot this morning, but that's okay. Um, uh, 
God honors prayer, and it's well for us to remember that and to continue in that. So let's pray before we get into the word. God, again, we are reminded of issues of life, issues that sometimes come to us in unexpected ways. I'm sure that earlier in the day on Friday, Jason wasn't thinking that he would be in a helicopter being lifeline to Geisinger. At 30-some years old, that doesn't cross your mind. But you brought that to him. You allowed that to happen to him. And now the doctors seem to be a little perplexed. So we ask God that you would give to them the wisdom that is needed in order to accomplish what needs to be done. We realize, O Lord God, that you are the great physician and the healer of all that there is. But you've also given to us physicians with talents and gifts from you. But we're asking, Lord, what the doctors don't know, I thank you, Lord, that you do. And I pray that you would infuse them with knowledge of a path that they need to go into in order to help Jason. I pray for his family members. I pray, oh God, that you would uh, bring someone alongside him to share with him the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If he does not know you, oh Lord, I pray that you would give to him the understanding of your word, that he would make that conscious decision to trust in you and you alone for his only hope of eternal life. Allow your spirit to minister to him even now, awakening him, and infusing in him the wonder of what would have happened. And so God, allow him to sense your presence and put a longing in his heart to know you. We thank you, Lord, for the continued healing of Natalie. We understand that The situations of her life could have been a whole lot worse. But yet, even in those particular circumstances, Lord, you guided and directed. The injuries that she sustained, she needed to be kept rested. She needed to be literally kept on ice. And whether the youth or the directors or the leaders at that time knew what they were doing, they were fulfilling everything that you directed them to do and what they did was for her good. We refuse to use the word lucky. There is no such word. But your sovereignty and your purpose shined forth. And so we ask, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen Natalie. And I know that she is sore. Internal injuries don't seem to heal quickly. 
And so I pray, oh God, that you would continue to strengthen her. And when she goes back to school, protect her. Protect her that nothing hits her in those tender spots. Put a shield of protection around her, Lord, and use her for your honor and glory. I know she is going to be barraged by questions. What happened? But I know what the answer will be on her lips. Jesus was there. Then again, Lord, we praise you for the success of the surgery for Barb Carl's aunt. And now we ask, Lord, for the strengthening and healing part that must come. May you use her, Lord, for your honor and for your glory. Continue to strengthen John Reebok too in her shoulder injury that she sustained. I know that she's counting down the days when she doesn't have to wear that arm brace, but I pray, God, that you would continue to strengthen her. Our same prayer is for Bill Troutman Sr. That, Lord, that you would continue to heal his arm and give him strength as he goes through therapy. Thank you, God, that his eyes are upon you. That he trusts in you, not just for what has been done, but for what is going to happen. May you continue to strengthen him. With this series, O oh Lord God, that we've been embarking upon, this just being the second installment, but yet, Lord, we're looking at family. And family is under attack. So I pray, Lord God, that what we share this morning is going to be informational. But I ask, Lord, that it would find good soil to plant itself in in order to bear much fruit. That you would use us as instruments of righteousness who would be willing to stand up to speak the truth in love and, and to echo through the halls of time. That family was God's idea. And man ought to keep his hands off. But help us, O oh Lord God, to refocus the fact that the arch enemy of our soul is really the enemy that we're striving against. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and Rulers of dark places. And so even this morning I ask that the blood of Christ would be upon us. And come and shelter us from any thought process or any event that would keep us from focusing on you and on your word. And would you receive all the honor and glory which is our, that is our plan and that is our praise. I would be careful to thank you in the mighty name of Christ our Savior. Amen.
A friend of mine sent me an article, and I printed it out for the purpose of sharing it with you this morning as an introduction. The article writes, during the debate yesterday, now this is the, this is February the 26th of this year. And during the debate yesterday over the Equality Act, a measure that would create a right to kill babies in abortions and force Americans to fund abortions, Republicans accused Democrats of ignoring biblical values. And a surprising comment from pro-abortion Democrat Congressman Jerry Nadler confirmed that to be true. Part of the debate over the pro-abortion measure revolved around sex and gender issues and Representative Greg Stubbe, a Republican from Florida, upset Democrats when he confirmed God makes boys and girls unique. He quotes, When men or women claim to be able to choose their own sexual identity, they are making a statement that God did not know what he was doing when he created them. The gender confusion that exists in our culture today is a clear rejection of God's good design. Whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against him and will inevitably bear the consequences. We are seeing the consequences of rejecting God here in our country today, said Congressman Stubbe. That promoted a rather shocking comment from Congressman Nadler, as he said, what any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. When the Apostle Paul penned the words, Recorded for us in Ephesians chapter 6 concerning the battlefield of our battle. I doubt we would have thought that that battle would even be waged in our government. Woe unto that nation whose God is not the Lord. Woe unto that nation who purposely sheds innocent blood. Woe unto that nation who forgets what family is all about. Ken, if you would go to the first slide, please. I want to share with you some definitions. That should be slide number six, brother. There you go. Thank you. Some definitions of family that I came across, and they're as varied as the, the number of translations in the Word of God that we hold in our laps today. And one definition says, a group of one or more parents and their children living together as a unit. Another definition is all the descendants of a common ancestor. Another one is a group of people living together 
a household. Understanding definitions of family, we, we can at least garner the fact that we have, as a family in the church, we have a church family because we are descendants of a common ancestor. His name is Jesus. And we have been born into his body, into his family, through his blood. By grace, through faith, we are saved. And in that, that accords to us, as the Apostle Paul writes for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that we form what is called the body of Christ, the church, where he himself is the head. He is the director. He is the one who informs us what we should be and must be doing. So we have that in common. You ought to be praising the Lord that you don't look like me, but we still belong to the same family of Jesus Christ. We carry in us his very DNA, which is called bound for heaven. And we may not look like each other, but the scriptures tells us that we are to put on and to take up and to exhibit the very image of Jesus Christ in whom we have been saved. Amen. That's one definition of family. The next slide, please. But I want to get right down to what the Bible has to say about family. And it's this, the family is the foundational institution of society ordained by God. It is constituted by marriage and is composed of persons related to one another by marriage, blood, or adoption. A biblical understanding. The family is... The fundamental institution of human society. And the passage that Pastor Steve read for us highlights the fact that it is ordained by God. He created and established family. And he did it by, according to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 20, that he created male and female in his image, family. The next slide, please. I want to give to you four points, four biblical points, if you will, that describe for us family. Family is a fundamental institution of human society. I don't know if Plato, that Greek philosopher, really thought that his next statement that I'll say to you would bear much weight in the history, but yet during the time of the Roman Empire, he made this statement. He said, the saga of a nation is the saga of its families written large. In other words, the strength of a nation 
is established on the strength of the biblical foundation of family. The strength of the family develops the strength of the church. And the strength of the church develops the strength of the community. The strength of the community develops the strength of its government. And the government designs the strength of the nation. And when the family is destroyed, so is the strength of a nation. Now, I must say this, that before we begin, please do not get your blood boiling over what an individual had to say. I will say this, Jerry Nadler is not our enemy. Our enemy resides in the pit of hell. And he is guiding and directing forces of darkness that are making, if you will, policy that is bent on destroying the family and ultimately our nation. Human beings are not our enemies. They are our mission field. I pray that our senators and congressmen who do know the Lord Jesus Christ would be able to be used of him to bring about the truth and the reality of the gospel and the lives of people that they serve with. But in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 20 to 25, as Pastor Steve read, we realize that man was put to sleep for the purpose of removing one of his ribs in order to create a, a suitable helpmate for him. As one individual said, the pain of the rib has created a pain in the neck. Now, why did you laugh? I didn't say which one was getting the pain in the neck. I think the women get more of the pain in the neck than what us. Well, you know how that goes. But Adam was given a helpmate based upon what he had seen and what he had named in the text. He didn't have a helpmate, prior to verse 20. He was busy naming all of the created things. But he recognized the fact that what he needed most was what everybody, everything else had, and he didn't. And so God gave to him a woman. Now, I want to just take about half an hour now and, and focus on that. When God created woman, you'll notice in the text that Adam did not name her. He called her woman. He did not give to her a personal name yet. 
Meaning that at the time, she was satisfied with her position, not necessarily her personality, her identity. She was satisfied by being referred to, you are now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. That's translatable from the Hebrew, hubba-dubba-ding-ding, baby, you got everything. She was everything that Adam needed. And she saw Adam as everything that she needed. They coexisted in a relationship that was unified by God. And they were satisfied. But later on in the story, and get to chapter 3, is when the satisfaction was put aside by determination. She no longer was satisfied. And so then Adam named her Eve. I want my own. And in fact, God said in chapter 3, verse 16, And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain. You shall bring forth children and your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Translatable, you want to run the house. But Adam, notice it doesn't say will love you, will rule as a dictator over you. Then it says, Adam named her Eve. Don't miss that. When we become dissatisfied with what God has given to us, we want our own identity, then we fall into Tremendous problems. Thus the issue with family. The other scripture verses that are there for you on this slide in Exodus chapter 20 and verses 5 through 6. It is the giving or the re-giving, if you will, of the Ten Commandments. In verse 5 and 6 it talks about that you will have no graven images about me. God speaking. And he goes on to say that the sin of the father. Can pass on to. Will pass on to the fourth generation. Because they don't love me. There's an indication of family. When you go to Joshua chapter 7, it's recorded the sin of Achan. God said, do not take 
anything from the city of Jericho as your own. It all belongs to God. And when, Mo, and when Joshua found out that there was a problem, he fell on his face before God and began to weep. And God said, Joshua, get up. It's not you. There's sin in the camp, in the family. And so what they did in verses 15 and then 24 to 25, they brought every single family in front of Joshua until God said, stop. Family. Again. And then in 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 23, there's the reference there concerning the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, you will see that God said these words, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Family. It is an institution, it is a foundation of every nation that God has created. It was his idea, not man's determination. The second point, next slide please, is that the family, oh this would get you in trouble. A family is constituted by marriage. Someone help me out with an amen. The family is constituted by marriage. You're kind of weak on that amen. The family is constituted by marriage. Somebody help me. Amen. Some people have argued the fact that Jesus has never spoken against the alternate lifestyle. There's three things you need to know about Jesus. Number one, he is part of the Godhead. He was there in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 when he said, let us make man in our image. He was part of the created process when he was there when they took the rib from Adam and established it. And he said, on this purpose, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one. And then in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is again posed by a question from a Pharisee about family. And Jesus said, what is it written? He said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. He's part of the Godhead. He was there. He created it. Secondly, the word of God is one story, not many stories. And from the beginning to the end, it is God's story. And in Hebrews chapter 1, it refers to the fact that 
In latter times, God spoke to individuals, through angels and prophets, but today he speaks to us through Jesus Christ. It's one story. And when Jesus Christ saved and captured the hearts and souls of those who wrote the New Testament, they're not sharing their own story. They're sharing the story from the master who said, family is made up of husband and wife. And I'm going to clarify that by saying male and female. And thirdly, because of who Jesus Christ is, he has even established the church who in the scriptures is always referred to in the female pronoun, she. The church is the bride to the husband who is Jesus. So when someone comes up to you and says, Jesus never mentioned, he never spoke out against, I'll say the initials, and we'll get to them sometime later, the LGBTQ group. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. It is a pattern or historical fact. Number eight, marriage is ordained by God. Marriage must be between one man and one woman. Would you allow me just to digress I, just a second here? I don't care what the United States Supreme Court has to say. They're just a court. I know the king. And the king has established Well, we'll get to that another time. Marriage is characterized by leaving the authority structure of one's parents and joining together to form a new authority structure. Marriage is a picture of the relationship of Christ to the church. Oh, I wish I had five Sundays to preach on that. And marriage is a covenant before God. And between a man and a woman. In Proverbs chapter 2 verse 17. Solomon is talking to his son. And he's saying be careful. Be weary of immortal women who will try to entice you. And then he goes on to say. Who forsakes the companion of her youth. And forgets the covenant of her God. In Malachi chapter 2 and verse 14. The context of that is, is that God is saying, don't be bringing me any more offerings. They mean nothing to me. Because, he says, the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife By covenant. Marriage is a covenant. 
of a couple, man and woman, as they stand before God, they are making a covenant with God in that relationship. Point number three, please. We're not going to get to four. We'll get to three. God has commissioned and blessed humanity with a charge to be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 1, verse 28. Be fruitful and multiply. Many younger days with my wife and I walking into restaurants with six children. The first question we would get and people were brave enough to ask, they would say, are you Roman Catholic? Uh, no, no, we, and we belong to the king. And then one individual would laugh at us and would say, well, you take Genesis 1.28 literally, be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, we did. Yes, we did. God has ordained that children be brought into this world only through the procreative activity of a husband and a wife and only to married parents. It's a privilege of the family to have and rear children. 1 Timothy 2.15, Paul is relating to Timothy there of his mother and his grandmother and how greatly he should be praising God for the way that they instructed him and the things of the scriptures. The special privilege and responsibility of children parents or Christian parents is to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord that they may come to know Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6, 4. We've covered a lot, of to- a lot of ground in a few short minutes, and our time is fleeting past us. Would it be okay if I just do four quick? I'll take that as a yes, seeing you're all quiet. Either you're all sleeping and you really don't know where we're going anyway, so. Point number four. Parents have the primary responsibility and God-given authority to teach their children. No, Mrs. Clinton, children do not belong to the community. Parents are responsible for their children's general education. Now, underline the word general. I still can do two plus two equals four. But you teachers that have to struggle with that new kind of math, Lord have mercy. Bless you. I can get 25 plus 25 a whole lot quicker. It's 50 than what you want my grandchildren to go through. I'm signing the check and they're still at the teller. I'm gone. We general education. In Galatians 4, 1 to 2, the Apostle Paul highlights the fact that even a child must still be under the authority of the teaching of their parents. And parental responsibility 
parents, excuse me, are responsible for their children's spiritual and theological education. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 is a command from Moses through the, to the words of God that we are to teach them, teach our children diligently those things that pertain to God. It's not easy these days. We live in a society that wants to transform our families into areas that will ultimately lead to the destruction of our nation. Again, my purpose for this series is as a shepherd, as an under-shepherd of the great shepherd, I am called to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. I am commanded by God as a shepherd to be aware of the society and the things that are happening to inform you. Not that we develop arms, if you will, of going out and seeing who we can slain. That's not our mission. Our mission is to see who it is that can be saved. And so be on guard. Be equipped. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord will not be in vain. Let's pray. Father, as we close this service, my heart goes out to individuals who are trapped by the forces of darkness. I know the words permeated from Congressman Nadler's lips, but they were fueled by spiritual forces of darkness. Pray, God, that you would save him, save his soul. As well as all of our representatives, whether in Senate or House, whether local, whether state, or whether national. May there be an awakening of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may the reestablishing of family not be developed based upon feelings, but let it be developed based upon fact, your word, truth. We as your people, O oh Lord God, may be we use as conduits of righteousness in a world that needs to know about you. And in closing, can I have everyone stand, please?